Beast OCR proudly presents BeastNet Podcast, sponsored in part by GH Under's Performance Base Layers and supported by the OCR community. Here we discuss all things OCR related. Welcome to BeastNet. Hey everybody, it's Mike here with BeastNet and I've got Zane, whatever your real name is, his Facebook name is Zane Windigo Tree Walker or some sh- something, but <laughs> we we got Zane here. Zane is uh, you're what the director of the Oregon Beasts, and on top of that, just finished an Ironman in epic fashion, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm actually the vice president of Beasts now. Uh, Lorenzo is the that's director right. Of Oregon State. You think I would know that so stuff? Around here in the last month, you know. I don't pay attention. I, I should, because, I mean, whatever my title is, I don't remember anymore. We know you run the podcast. That's all we know anymore. That's all I do. I just run the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, like I said, you, you did an Ironman. I mean, we, we normally, on, on the podcast, we talk about Spartan, we talk about terrain, we talk about that kind of stuff, but we have a lot of listeners and a lot of people who do other things. Um... I do a 5k a month. I don't, I'm not competitive in any way, but I do at least a 5k a month. I'm starting to do a, a hike every month. Um, and Zane decided, now wasn't this Mallory's idea? Uh, yeah, Mallory mentioned it in the group. Said, hey, there's, a, there's an Ironman. You know, we're all addicts, right? Yeah, we, we try to squeeze stuff in anywhere that we don't already have something going on. And I think that's kind of what fueled that fire. Uh, nobody had anything going on this past weekend, and she found an Ironman going on up in Whistler, and if nobody's been to Whistler, it is an absolutely amazing and beautiful area. Oh, it is. Um, and we were up there last year for another event, and uh, yeah, we were happy to go back. And, you know, I, I think it's important also to branch out and try new things, especially things that scare you. Uh, the only way to truly grow is to face your fears and kind of move forward and that's why we all just said sure let's do this see that that's one of the things that i want to do like i said one of my one of my bucket list items is a triathlon now i know it's not an iron man an iron man's a little bit like a triathlon on steroids and yeah (laughs) yeah it was pretty intense uh i honestly never had any intention of doing a triathlon uh, I don't even like to run on pavement, to be yeah. honest with you. I rarely run unless it's during a race or on a trail. Or you're being uh, chased, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the ladies are always behind me. I gotta oh, yeah. Somewhere. I don't want to know about the ladies being behind you. That's a different podcast. But... Hey, hey. <laughs> Next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... Like I said, one of my bucket list items is, is a iron or not an Ironman, but I want to do at least triath- triathlon. I want to get out there and try something different. My biggest worry is to swim. I am not in any way, shape, or form a strong swimmer, like at all. I'm tired after like thirty feet. <laughs> okay, well, let me rephrase that. I'm a strong swimmer for about thirty feet. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. It is. And so, I mean, I'm one of those, I, I, for whatever reason, my brain, there's a disconnect between my arms and my legs. So it's one or the other when I swim. I'm either dragging my legs like they're dead weight or I'm just kicking my feet. I mean, I can't do them both at the same time. It's like patting your head and rubbing your stomach. I'm like, it just doesn't work. 
so swimming for me has never been a strong suit, but I still want to do one just to do it, you know, just to, to, to push myself because it's something that scares me. But to do an actual yeah. Ironman, that's insane. It was, it was pretty intense. Uh, I, I'm kind of, well, I'm not entirely in the same boat. I've always enjoyed water, um, but I enjoy being in water where I can at least have some general sense of where the bottom is yeah. and kind of touch. You know, it's, it's scary having that feeling uh, that if something goes wrong, I mean, that's just it, right? Like, there's there's nothing else. You can't go to the bottom of a 35-foot deep anything and push yourself back up very easily. That's just it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely nerve-wracking. Uh, as soon as we agreed to do this, I started kind of trying to take up uh, a more realistic style of swimming. I'm, I'm in the river all the time. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you learn how to kind of float properly and the current helps sweep you around, it's never too much of an issue. There's not a lot of effort. So I started trying to swim in the local pool here at the 24-Hour Fitness. Um, and it wasn't going so well. I never honestly thought, I mean, it just never crossed my mind that there was a necessary effort that went into stylistic breathing while you're swimming. That's yeah. not something I thought about because I was never planning to be a competitive swimmer. Um, and yes, yeah, it, it was pretty pretty challenging to get over that. Uh, so I, I pretty much taught myself how to swim in the pool uh, and watching YouTube videos about three months ago, maybe. So Nice. So that, that just adds more to it. So that's one thing, like, Amber makes fun of me. Like, out of everything that we do, like, physically, normally, I'm not to sound bad, but better. <laughs> but you throw us in water, and Amber will swim circles around me while I drowned. So, I mean, <laughs> it's that's what she, you know, in high school, she was actually a swimmer in high school. So, I mean, it's she competitively swam. I'm like, I grew up in the river where pretty much if I had to swim... It's kind of like you said, you learned how to float right and everything else. You didn't have to do a lot. If I had to swim, it was for short, quick bursts and I needed a lot of strength to go upstream yeah. or whatever. And I'm good at that for about 10 or 15 feet. Like we used to play King of the Hill where, or King of the Rock where there was a rock in the middle of the river and you throw each other off of it. And I was one of the only ones that, you know, that could actually swim back upstream and grab you. But... I could do that, like I said, for 10 or 15 feet, anything more than that, and I'm winded and toast. And I sink yeah. like a rock in water. You put me in water, I'm sitting on the bottom. <laughs> I mean, I even as a fat guy, I thought it was like when I gained weight, I'm like, I should float now because I'm fat. And no, it didn't happen. I still sink. But, you know, I'm, I was a scuba diver. I, I've been a certified scuba diver since I was 16. So... But then in that case, all you're using is your legs. You have the fins on, you kick your feet, you're good to go. That's it. You use your arms to kind of direct you and to grab things. So that's why I say it's either arms or legs or it's one or the other. I can't do both at the same time. It gets weird. Yeah, yeah. Definitely takes coordination. That is for sure. I don't have that. I don't have this coordination thing you talk about. So, give us a little bit of an idea. I've read the post and kind of all that and seen that, but give the listeners kind of an idea of how you're... Because it starts with the swim, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, any triathlon, well, I guess I can't say any. I think the majority of triathlons are all swim, bike, run in yeah. that order. Um, Which, see, I would be good course. because I'd use my arms for the swim and then my legs for the rest of it. See? I'd be fine. Exactly. Well, that's the intent. 
right, is like you, you should be really strong upper body swimmer so that you can kind of uh, maintain uh, uh, some level of energy in your legs for the bike and the run. Yeah. Um, so I kind of tried to focus on that uh, with my swimming, doing minimal kicking. Um, and it was going great. I'd go to the, the gym three, four times a week and swim a mile and a half, two miles in the pool uh, and I was doing fine you know I'd do it in like anywhere from 35-45 minutes in the pool which is great but you don't have anybody around you necessarily uh, you've got those little floaty barriers that kind of break up the waves that are going on in the pool Yeah. Uh, so it's definitely not the same environment at all and they tell you if you read the athlete guide that they put out for Ironman uh, they warn you, don't let this be your first experience in an open water swim. Uh, you know, the basics. Don't let this be your first experience in new gear and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Which makes yeah. sense. Because, I mean, you, I've seen the videos. I've never done it myself, so I've never been in that. But I've seen the videos of, like, the way these start. You're running into the water with, like, everybody. Like, it's all of a sudden, it's like, go! And, like, everyone goes running to the water and dives in. Yeah. So you're swimming how far? A mile and a half? Uh, so for the 70.3, which I did, it's 1.2 miles. Okay. So 1.2 miles, and the, everybody else is right there with you. So, you know, they're, they're, yeah. they're kicking you in the head, and, I mean, it's a cluster, right? Yeah, it's, it's hectic. It's kind of like watching someone throw a steak in the water and all the piranha go. You know, it's, it's just, it's mayhem. Um, so... Ironman does what's called a rolling start. So they have a general start time uh, for everybody. And then on the side of the starting corral, there's volunteers holding up signs. Uh, and the sign will say 30 to 40 minutes, 40 to 50 minutes, 50 to 60 minutes, 60 plus. And that's so you, you basically you self implant yourself uh, into these areas uh, based upon your expected finish time for the swim. Yeah. So that kind of removes the issue of having really fast people behind you that are going to kind of swim over the top of you if you're in the way or something like that. So it makes it safer. Um, That's and good. It makes you more comfortable, and it, it kind of uh, retracts a little bit of the issue of getting ran into while you're out in the water. See, yeah, except in my way. It's just a general, yeah, it's just a never-ending start line until everybody's gone, so... See, and the, and the other thing I'd worry about is I'd be the guy waiting to the last minute to go because I'm like, if I go, that guy right there, it looks like he's going to be faster than me and he's going to run me over and push me underwater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of where we were. We were probably like, I don't know, we were somewhere just north of like the back 30 to 40 people. So we were pretty far towards the, the backside because there was, uh, I think they said there was just over 3,000 uh, participants. Wow for the day so yeah pretty healthy number but uh, you know like I said when you're going from pool swimming to open water swimming I kind of estimated myself anywhere uh, 50 to 60 minutes to be on the safe side so yeah so and when you started did you all start together uh, yeah yeah uh, Mallory Patrick and myself we were all right there next to each other the whole time in the starting corral kind of hanging out getting each other pumped up. That's awesome. So yeah, it was you, Mallory, and Patrick. And we've had Patrick. Everyone knows Patrick. Patrick's the, like, guy that's, like, 
older than me and in better shape than I was when I was 15, but whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you, you start off together. How long did it take you to do the swim? Uh, it took me, I didn't look at my exact times yet, but I think it was like 55, 56 minutes because I was just touching my feet to the ground coming out of the swim as I could hear the announcer saying that there was, I think he said there was like uh, 18 minutes left or something like that. Um, so I was, I was pretty close. And there was uh, a one hour and 10 minute time cut off. So that's kind of how I justified my uh, time frame. Yeah. So... What was it? I know. I know. We kind of mentioned what it was supposed to be. There's all the people in there. What was it really like when you got out there? I mean, it was scary, man. Yeah. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, there's not too many things that scare me, and if there is, I, I like to do them just because I don't like to be afraid of stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty frightening. I don't do a lot of open water swimming, uh, so you know, I went against the grain, uh, which is usual for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what they say, don't let this be your first open water swim. It wasn't necessarily, necessarily my first open water swim, but it definitely was my my longest open water swim and my first with a lot of people around me. Yeah. Um, but I actually went into it feeling pretty confident, uh, which is not my norm in deep water alone. I mean, I could honestly, like, I grew up with a ski boat and we were on the water all the time, but something about not being able to see your feet underwater and just being in deep water, even with a life jacket, always made me a little unnerved. Um, so there was definitely some tension going into it to begin with. But yeah. With my wet wetsuit on, uh, I felt pretty confident. It adds a good amount of buoyancy, not enough to hold you up if you just completely stop moving, but enough that it actually made me feel really comfortable. So I kind of charged in there happy about what I was about to do and excited for it. Um, and it wasn't long. I got maybe 200 yards in, and uh, I ended up coming up near somebody, and I took a pretty solid kick, like, right to my upper chest, and uh, it startled me, for sure. I swallowed a bunch of water, and I rolled over on my back, and I was coughing, and, uh, I mean, that, that just got my nerves even higher, and after that, I had a really difficult time controlling my breathing and trying to keep my heart rate down. And uh, that was that was definitely a total game changer, especially, I mean, 1.2 miles, you know, when we're running that, it doesn't sound like that much. No. Um, as far as the swim goes, it's, it's pretty intense. And then when you're standing there on the start line and you can see the buoys laid out, because it's all one loop, um, and you see how far away the buoys are that you have to turn at, it's, it's pretty daunting. Um, but, oh, I bet it is. Uh, Iron Man does a phenomenal job of creating a very safe environment, and they have paddle boards, kayaks, uh, all these watercraft that are staffed with volunteers and uh, people who I'm sure are uh, lifeguard trained, um, and they have air mattresses that are kind of anchored out there, so they've got all these things that if you need to, you can wave down for help, uh, they will even paddle over to you if you need them to, and you can kind of sit there and hang on to one of their uh, watercraft for however long you need to try to catch your breath and calm yourself. Uh, as long as you're not making any forward movement or progression, uh, there's no disqualifying factor there. Um, so I got kind of startled. I, I had probably another 100, 150 yards in, and I grabbed onto one of the kayaks, and I kind of just... I think it was a paddleboard. 
I kind of hung on to it for like 30 seconds, just took a few deep breaths to try to really control my breathing and calm myself down, and I was feeling fine. Um, I took off, started paddling along, um, but every like five to six strokes, I just started feeling really out of breath again, and uh, my heart rate would shoot back up, and I was just, I don't know, it, it was not working out for me, so I just rolled over on my back, and I backstroked and I knew I had to keep moving no matter what. There was no way I could just stop and still make the time cut off. Yeah. Uh, I had to keep moving. So I backstroked as much as I could and then I would roll over periodically and I would swim forward, good freestyle swim and I just kept extremely doing the same thing. Like, like Where'd you go? I just resorted to uh, uh, backstroking. I backstroked that 1.2 mile swim. Definitely not ideal. Um, you there? Did you move something on your phone because you're starting to break out? No. Can you hear me? Yeah. There you are. Oh. I don't know what happened. You went kind of weird all of a sudden. No. Um, yeah, so uh, I, I ended up backstroking a good vast majority of it, which, like I said, is not ideal. Uh, I think it takes a lot more energy. Um, my adrenaline was pretty high, so I was I was still passing slower swimmers that were freestyle swimming while I was backstroking. Mm-hmm. Um, You never know, the mouth-to-mouth could be from, you know, a cute Canadian, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely not how I wanted to spend my day, either way, but... Yeah. Yeah, so I, I backstroked the shit out of that thing, and, uh... And I was so excited when I turned around and I saw people who could finally touch, and they were walking towards the finish line of the swim. Uh, I mean, my adrenaline just got so much higher, and my excitement, uh my joy to continue forward it was it was it was pretty magical moment it sounds like it i mean it's like i said that that would be my biggest fear of doing that is the um the swim yeah but at least it'd be the beginning yeah 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 you get it out of the way first that's for sure yeah i don't know if i could uh, like i said that's one of my one of my bucket list items is to do an iron or not an Ironman, but at least a triathlon. And I mean, depending on how I do, I mean, maybe eventually do an Ironman. But I just I worry so much about myself and just being able to swim that far. You know, I yeah. just that's my biggest fear. And I mean, that's honestly that's why I want to do it is because that is my biggest fear is being able to swim that far. You know, I went to a, a lake with some other friends from the the Beast Group. You know, Elise and Emily and all them not too long ago and that was one of my things I kept kind of you know trying to push myself to swim as far as I could and I know I was nowhere near the distance I would need for even a sprint triathlon and I was getting winded and um, anyone who's ran a race with me knows my one of my biggest issues is the dunk wall. I don't like my head going underwater I can't see down see into it's like you said if it's if I can see the bottom 
I'm okay. But the second it's deep enough or cloudy enough that I can't see the bottom, I lose it. And I mean, it's even the, you know, the dunk wall. I mean, it's only three or four feet deep, but I can't see that bottom. And I'm like, I can't do this. And that's my biggest fear. So I, that's, that's why I want to do a triathlon is just to get past because I need to get past that fear. So, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, a sprint is definitely a great place to start. I think most sprints, uh, I believe the swim is a quarter mile. So uh, definitely probably what I will shoot for next. Uh, now that I've knocked out uh, 70.3 and kind of figured out how rough it was. But, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those situations that as long as you're confident enough with the understanding that once you hit the water... Uh, it's kind of fight or flight, right? And, and you're going to figure it out and make it happen somehow, some way, and you will. There's, there's no other option to that. And that's just it. That's, like I said, the water thing is what gets me. I mean, the bike, I used to mountain bike every day, all the time. I'd drive up to the mountains and go up in the mountains for hours and mountain bike. So the biking, I just need to make sure I have a good bike, but the biking I have no real issue with. I would need to train. I'm not saying I don't need to train for these things because obviously I'm kind of a big guy, but I need to train. But the bike and the run don't scare me. I've done a full marathon. I've biked. Those don't bother me. I know if I train, I'd be okay on those. It's the water. Um, It's even like the first time me and Amber went on a cruise was the first time I quit smoking and I would quit smoking for six months. And I was doing great, everything else. We got out on that cruise. We got to a point where I couldn't see land anymore. And I had a complete and total like mental breakdown. (laughs) Because in my mind, I'm just thinking, which way do I have to go? And there's no way I could swim that far. And I can't see where there's land. I don't know which way I should go. Everything else. I had a complete mental breakdown and went down and bought like a full carton of cigarettes and pretty much sat on the deck and just chain smoked. I'm like, we're going to die. We're going to die. I've seen Titanic. I know how this ends. <laughs> There's not enough room on that piece of wood. There really was enough room on that piece of wood, but whatever. But, you know, and that's my thing is I have, it's funny because I scuba dive and if I'm underwater with a full tank on and a mask and everything else, I am completely fine. The second you put me on top of the water with none of that, I have a complete meltdown. And I don't get it, but it's, it is what it is. So that's one of the reasons I want to do that triathlon is to get rid of that, to try and get past that fear and just go. So, yeah. So let's take a quick break for our sponsor and then we'll, we'll continue on with this and we'll talk about the bike ride because I I know that the bike portion was a special and then we'll continue on with this. So we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsor and we'll go from there. Gray's Harbor Unders makes the performance-based layer clothing you want and need. Whether you work, hunt, hike, fish, run, or ride in the great outdoors. If you work up a sweat, Gray's Harbor Unders are for you. Because their unique dual-layer fabric removes moisture from your body and keeps your skin dry, even when the outer layer is completely wet. It's a base layer like no other. Get you some at ghunders.com. That's ghunders.com. For the best performance-based layer you'll ever wear. All right, we're back from break. We've talked a lot about the water part and why it seems like both of us would have have an issue with that part of it. Let's move on to the bike portion. I mean, like I said, I've read your post and like reread it a couple times because it was just it was amazing what you did. But tell us a little bit about the bike portion. Uh, the bike, I was I was happy about the bike portion. Uh, 
bike portion uh, going into it. When I was a kid, I rode a lot of BMX. I mean, I assume most of us rode bikes a lot when we were kids. Um, and, you know, that was just something that was always a big part of my life and a part of my family. We used to go on long bike rides together all the time. Uh, so I was pretty happy about that. And uh, everything was going smooth. I was actually cruising pretty fast, considering I just completely smoked my legs, backstroking and kicking the entire time through a 1.2-mile swim. Um, got on my bike. Mallory was there waiting for me. She finished the swim before me. And we took off together. And it wasn't too long, a couple minutes before I just kind of started passing people. And it wasn't much of a thought. It was just uh, my legs felt really energized. I felt energized. I was cruising. Um, yeah, so I was making my way onward. Um, if anybody's been to Whistler, we passed Whistler Village and we headed up a what seemed like a never-ending hill towards Whistler Park, uh, which is a large ski park. Uh, also the same place that they held Tough Mudder last year, if anybody was up there for that. So we kind of we made our way up there. Uh, heading up this hill, I could see a lot of people who were coming down the hill, and they were just coasting the whole way. Some people were cheering, you know, making loud noises because they were excited. They are what? You went weird again. Sorry. I, I, oh. um, so heading up this hill, I could see a lot of people coasting down the hill, and they were really excited, making a lot of noise. Um, uh, happy to be going downhill. There were some rolling hills uh, on your way up this mountain. Um, so it was a little difficult going up, but coming down, I mean, it was, it was steep enough coming down the mountain that those rolling hills didn't really hinder anything. You could just keep coasting. Um, and it was, it was a pretty good distance. Uh, when I started nearing the top, I think I was somewhere around uh, 17, 18 miles. Um, yeah. And for whatever reason, heading up the hill in my lowest gear, uh, my chain kept popping off, and it was getting pretty frustrating. I stopped, I think, four times to put my chain back on, and luckily that wasn't too much of an issue. It went on pretty quick. I could go about my business. Uh, it was hot. It was really hot. It was, I think, 94 degrees. Um, and for most of it, you're kind of in the dead of the sun. Um, so it was easy to get frustrated. Yeah. Uh, but I got up near the top, and, you know, everybody kept saying, hey, the, the turnaround's just around the corner. You're almost there. Uh, and there was an aid station with water and Gatorade and all that stuff. So I swung through there, grabbed some water. And I passed the aid station, came around the corner, and it, it headed back uphill again towards the entrance of Whistler Park. And my chain popped off again. I thought, what the heck, man? This is getting old fast. So I got off, looked at it, put my chain back on, and it wasn't just my chain that was hanging off that time. It was my whole rear derailleur. Uh, for those that don't know, that's basically your entire gearing system on the back of the bike that attaches... Uh, right there at your axle at the back rim uh, so that was yeah, yeah 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 so that was hanging off and my first thought was like uh okay let's fix this how are we gonna fix this um you know just fly by the seat of my pants and i grabbed it i started kind of like moving it around rotating it trying to figure out what exactly had happened and how to put it back on and then i realized that a little cast part um had actually snapped in half um, and 
I didn't know until later. I mean, I'm not a, not a bike expert by any means. This is actually my first road bike that I have ever bought, and it was about four months ago. Uh, so this part is called the derailleur hanger, and it's just a small piece that's generally made pretty specific to uh, each bike model uh, as it fits you know, a little slot right on your frame there, and it bolts in and then hangs uh, your derailleur on it. Yeah. So that was broken, and I thought, well, shit, I don't know what to do now. And uh, I, mean, I didn't think there was anything I could do. And uh, a little background is I've had a, a really tough year uh, with injuries, and I've sat out of a lot of events that I've really been passionate about doing, and that's been hard for uh, be able to do them myself uh, and as a man I mean you just feel weak as a person when you're injured and yeah. unable to perform athletically it's, it's a hard thing to deal with um, so this was kind of a straw that broke the camel's back and it was hot as shit I was frustrated I was alone out there there was nobody anywhere around me and I sat down on this concrete barrier and I just kind of teared up a little bit out of anger and frustration I couldn't understand why this was happening to me uh, I'd come so far, I mean, I put a lot of time and money into this event, and here I was roughly 20 miles into the race, and uh, I was I was pretty much shit out of luck, for lack of better terms, and I didn't know what to do. Uh, I mean, I, I figured it was pretty much just over for me, and I thought about how everybody else was going to finish and achieve their goals, and I was just done right there, and time was wasted, and it was really frustrating and it was kind of heartbreaking um sounds like it for a while yeah so i just sat there for a while and kind of felt sorry for myself and uh, i heard this voice coming up the hill and she said hey are you are you broken are you just resting or waiting and it was mallory and uh I was pretty happy to see her, but I was kind of choked up at the same time, so I was just like, I don't know, I just pointed at my bike that was just laying on the ground, and kind of like tried to mumble to her about how it was broken, and I was f***ed, and nothing was going to work, and uh, she didn't skip a beat at all, she just said, well, that's not good, uh, you know, can you push it, because if you can push it, let's keep going, uh, you, you can't stop here, we got to do something, you know, maybe somebody can help us. So I kind of grabbed my bike and I was a little reluctant to keep moving, but I knew that I had to at the same time if there was ever any chance that I was going to finish. Yeah. Uh, so I did. I pushed it the rest of the way up the hill, turned it around. Uh, my derailleur was just slapping against the spokes the whole way. Um, so I kind of wrapped the chain around my bike bump that's affixed to the frame rail and sat on it and I tried to tried to coast it when I could. Going downhills, I would coast it, which was nice. Uh, on the flats, I would kind of sit on it and then pedal with one foot, almost like the little children's balancing bikes. Yeah. Um, so I've got these monster bruises on the back of my calf. Like, the whole back of my calf is pretty much black now from hitting against the pedal while I was trying to scooter it. <laughs> uh, and if it was anything uphill, I pushed it, obviously. There's nothing else I could do. Uh, so we got back down to the next aid station, and they said that there was bike tech support available for the participants. Uh, so they radioed them and told me to wait there. And we stood around there for probably a good five, six minutes and kind of looked at each other, and she was like, what do you want to do? 
I said, well, I, I want to keep going. I mean, I need to keep going. I need to keep moving forward. There's nothing else I can do. Yeah. Um, you know, I figured if somebody was coming, they could only come up the one road that we're on, so they're bound to see me anyway. Um, and these people offered to give me a ride, you know, take me back to the event center uh, so that I could withdraw from the race, and that just didn't sound appealing to me. I just had to keep moving forward. Something inside me told me that there was, like, I mean, everything in life is chances, right? It's all oh, it is. comes down to percentages, and, and if you are not doing anything to seek out those chances and those opportunities, your percentage is zero. Uh, so I, I knew that I had to keep going forward if I was ever going to find the miracle that I needed. Um, so we did, we kept pushing, we made it down to the next aid station. And they said, okay, we have bike tech support that's coming for somebody else who is down at the next aid station. And these things are a couple miles apart. So we continued on to the next aid station um, and made it down there. And they said, yeah, yeah, we have bike tech support on the way, but we don't know when they're going to get here. And there was two other people waiting for bike tech support. Um, and I just said, okay, well, I, I got to keep moving. And again, they offered to give me a ride, asked if I was withdrawing from the race. And uh, that just wasn't in my game plan. I just said, no, I'm, I'm going to keep going until I find something. Yeah. Um, and the other nice thing about the Ironman is it was very thoroughly staffed with these, uh, I think they were called course marshals that are wearing... Uh, they're high-vis vests, and they're on mopeds, and they're going up and down the race course, and they're checking on everybody. And they, every time one of them came across me, they would stop and ask if I needed help and if I needed to do radio bike support. And I just kept telling them, yeah, just radio bike support for me. I'm going to keep walking. Um, and that's what we did. And I kept urging Mallory to leave me. I, I really wanted her to leave because I didn't want to be responsible for both of us not finishing this race. And she, I know she felt guilty to an extent because this was her whole uh, idea to begin with, but I don't think that there was any guilt that should have been felt. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was just it was just happenstance, you know, weird stuff happens. Uh, so I kept urging her to go, and she wouldn't leave me. And after probably about an hour, she finally took off in seek of other help. Uh, and I just continued forward, and I was, man, I was sweating my ass off. I had no idea how I was going to get through this, and other riders kept telling me, like, hey, man, you got to you gotta just get back on, get back on. I'm like, well, it's not that easy. My bike's broken. And they say, oh, man, that's not good. And when I finally did get uh, a bike tech support truck to stop for me, um, they said, well, uh, it sounds like your derailleur hanger is broken, and we don't have those because they're very unique to each bicycle. Yeah. And at that point, I was kind of like, well, <laughs> there goes pretty much all of my odds of ever completing this thing. Like, I, but something inside me just kept telling me to keep going. Uh, so that's what I did. I just kept moving forward. And sometime along the way, there was two guys on like downhill mountain bikes. And downhill mountain biking in the Whistler area is very popular in the summertime. All the ski slopes turn into bike jumps. Yep. Um, and, and that's just their whole community in the summer. Uh, so these guys had backpacks on, and one of them said, hey, I got some tools, you know, uh, do you need help? What's wrong with your bike? And I told him, well, the derailleur hanger's broken. And he's like, oh, man. He said, I definitely can't help with that. And he said, you know, 
if you had another like one to two kilometers up the road, uh, there's a Tim Hortons, and just around the Tim Hortons, there's a bicycle shop, and he said the name of it, and I believe it was uh, 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 Coastal Culture Sports, something like that. Um, so yeah. I just kept pushing forward, kept looking for it, and there's a bunch of spectators on the side of the road shaking their cowbells and stuff, and I hollered at some of them and said, hey, is there, is there a bike around here somewhere? Yeah, just around the corner right there. Oh, man, great. And um, I didn't argue at this point, but I didn't want to get disqualified for whatever that would even matter at this point. Um, so I ran across the road, and I ran in there. I was pretty frantic, you know, and I, I said, hey, I'm, actually, there was a guy working on a bicycle with a customer standing right there, and I walked up maybe a foot away from this guy and just kind of stared at him until he looked at me. <laughs> and he said, what do you need? What do you need? And I, I was like, man, I am halfway through an Ironman, uh, and my shit's broken, and I have no idea what to do. And he yelled in the back for uh, another employee named Josh, hey, Josh, we got a guy in here halfway through his Ironman. He needs to be taken care of right now. And this guy, like, was, like, just hot too immediately. Um, and he moved with the speed that you or I would move if our own stuff was broken in this situation. And it was awesome. amazing that he... Yeah, the fact that he put that much concern into my situation. Um, and even he kind of shook his head at first, like, man, I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to try to rig something up. And he started digging through parts, and by some chance, he had the exact part that I needed uh, to, to make this all work. Um, which, at that point, he was like, dude, I don't know why I even have this. He said, we, we pretty much carry mountain bikes here. And uh, he said, they make over 330 different types of derailleur hangers for bicycles. Wow. I have the exact same one that just broke off of your bike. And at that point, I was like, holy shit, this is my miracle. You know, like, I was just, I was blown away. I was speechless. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I ride a, a, a mid-90s Trek road bike, you know, and we're in 2018. What are the odds that this guy had that part? Uh, and I let him know up front. I said, dude, you know, I have no, I, like, no way to pay for this, right? Like, I'm wearing bicycle shorts, a shirt, and a helmet, and I don't have anything on me. And he was like, you know what, man? I'm, I'm not even worried about it. I want to get you fixed up, and we're going to get you back out there, and you're going to finish your race. And I was like, dude, I, I can't even thank you enough. You got it all taken care of. Eric got my tires for me. Uh, I gave him a huge hug, and I was like, Josh, you're my hero right now, man. And he was like, yeah, get out there and finish that race. And I ran out with my bike and got back on course. Um, and, I, and I finished the bike ride, uh, and I had another, you know, 25, 28 miles, something like that. I mean, I, I pushed this bike for over 10 miles before I found this bike shop. I just want to let you know how shitty that was. Oh. Can you imagine walking walking around the track for 10 miles? That's crappy enough, but when you're walking up hills and holding onto a bike and it's 94 degrees, like... <laughs> I was pretty sure I was walking through hell and back at this point for 10 miles. Nine out of 10 people would have said, screw this, and never would have left the point where your bike broke. Yeah. Most people would have been like, bike's broke, I'm done, I tried, peace out, let's do this again some other time. Yeah. Well, and that's something that drove me, too, is that I take pride in my ability to overcome things and do things that most other people don't do. Yeah. Uh, that's just who I am. I don't 
know that that's something that always excites me is doing, making the unattainable attainable. Um, and I think that's something that's often overlooked with people. Uh, anything is possible. You just have to allow it to be possible. And if you stop at any point, you're cutting all possibility away. Um, so I just had to keep moving. And it was miserable. I was sweating my ass. At one point, I stopped sweating. And that's when I got really nervous. Because if you stop sweating and it's 94 degrees, you're probably dehydrated. Yeah. And you're about to get really sick. Yep. So I started chugging just crazy amounts of water and uh, electrolytes. Um, but yeah, I, I, I got back on my bike and I had another like 25, 28 miles to go. At one point, the track double backed over itself. Um, and Mallory passed me again. And I didn't even realize it. I was looking at the ground, just focused on pedaling. And I heard her say, hey, you got your bike fixed. And, like, my spirits lifted so high. And I was like, Mallory, I'm doing it. Like, I was just so excited to be there in the moment and be progressing. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty amazing feeling. That, that is an amazing... Like I said, most... Nine out of ten people would have quit. And said, nope, I'm done. And you, you kept going. And, I mean, it's just... That's amazing. That you just said, you know... I don't care. Bike's broke. I'm going to keep going. Something's going to happen. Somehow I'm still going to do this, even though I can't pedal this bicycle. Yeah. I, I just kept, I tried to think about the flip side too, you know, like say they come and pick me up. Uh, what am I going to do at this point? This was our last day here. We had already checked out of the condo that we were renting. Um, so my only option was to go back to the event center and just hang out in the same heat that I was already in, walking around the event center and feeling crappy about myself because I had quit. Uh, so either way, I mean, I was I was in a similar situation. I was feeling crappy about myself walking. Uh, so really walking around in that heat was going to be the same whether I quit or not. Yeah. Uh, so I might as well just keep moving. Oh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I mean that's awesome. Like I said, I mean, I've DNF'd one race. Most of the listening podcasts know that I, you know, I DNF'd the, uh, the beast in Hawaii. And the worst feeling in the world is being brought back to the festival and seeing all these people walking around with the medal that should be around your neck and thinking, why don't I have that medal? Oh, yeah, because I failed, you know, and it's in my case, it was one of those ones. I really wasn't given a choice. They pretty much said you're done and pulled me, you know, but I just recently DNF'd the ultra in Kimberly two weeks before that and yeah I agree it's a, it's an awful feeling um, I was lucky enough that we for the most part completed the first lap at least um, and I did it with a couple of amazing people my buddy Brandon and Jenna um, and you know so we were at least all on the same page which I think took away uh, some of that self-doubt and that guilt for the experience uh, but yeah, it is hard. It's, it's hard to see everybody else accomplish things. It is. Um, as much as you are excited for these people, because I love all the people that are doing these, and I'm, I'm very proud of everyone, no matter what their performance level is, that's able to complete these things. Uh, but it's very hard to know that you didn't. Um, so I knew that I had to, I mean, I had to make up for that. It, I could not make up for that. I wasn't going to allow two in a row. Yeah. And I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, your spirit to keep pushing and everything like that and just go for it. Um, so you finished the bike. Was the run as eventful or was that just like, cool, I'm almost done? 
<laughs> no, the, the run, once I got off the bike, I was pretty relieved to be off the bike, too. Uh, I mean, granted, anything can happen with your body at any point in time, too, but I yeah. think uh, I felt a little safer with my own body as my machine than riding something that could possibly fall apart again. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the run, it was a 13.1 mile run, so a half marathon after this 56 mile bike ride. And I was okay with it. I'm not a runner myself, um, but I knew that, you know, walk, jog, sprint, whatever, it was going to be done eventually. I mean, it's only one day of suckage. Yeah. I'm not sure you're going to be sore after that, but if you just endure that one single day out of your life for all of the suck that it's worth, that, I mean, the, the payoff is just tremendous. So, yeah, I just walked probably half of it, jogged half of it. Um, and there was people out there who recognized me. I wore my running vest on my bike to have extra water with me just in case. Yeah. Um, so I think people recognized my bright blue running vest and said, hey, you're the, you're the guy with the broken bike, right? And I said, sure am. And they're like, holy shit, you're still here? I was like, yeah, I'm here. And, uh, you know, I just, just kept trucking along. So, yeah, the, the run was very uneventful, thank God. Which, yeah, like you said, thank God. I mean, it's one of those things you've gone through. You went through enough. I mean, I mean, you got over your fears of the water by doing the swim. Then yeah. everything that it seems like could go wrong with your bike did. But you kept going anyway. I mean, it's like, I used to mountain bike a lot. I mean, before I blew my knee the first time, I mean, that was kind of my thing. I had multiple mountain bikes. I would go up to Snoqualmie Pass up here, and you could ride the lifts uh, during the summer. Yeah. And they would take you up to lifts, and everyone's like, oh, you can go down the ski. I'm like, yeah, you could do that. Or there are amazing trails out there. And me and my buddy would go up there and ride the trails all the time on our mountain bikes before I blew my knee. So, I mean, mountain biking was my thing. I loved mountain bikes. In fact, we did, this is aging me a little bit, but it was back in, I think, 94 or 95. We did what they called the Evian Run for the, or Ride for the Wild on our mountain bikes. And when you got to the top of the ski lifts, it was, uh, they had three different trails you could do. It was, you know, beginner, intermediate, or expert. And me and my buddy looked at him and said, okay, boring, maimed, or killed. We're going killed. We're going killed because, you know, of course, what are you thinking? You're up on the mountains. These are going to be some epic downhills. Well, there were some epic downhills after the epic uphills, you know. Yeah. 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 And, I mean, it was – I love mountain biking. So, for me, I mean, I know what it means to have – I mean, you could have – you never know what's going to go along with your bike. You could blow a tire. You could – you know, like you said, you know, your chain pops at the wrong moment and you spin and you hit something wrong. You know, I've watched people like do endos down a hill. I mean, it's, you never know what's going to go wrong. But for your derailleur to break, you're hosed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing. I mean, if your chain, you know, pops off, you put it back on. If your chain breaks, a lot of times you have, you know, you can, as long as someone has tools, you can pull a link out and put it back together. But for the derailleur to come off, that's, like you said, that's a cast iron piece that's part of the bike. It's not something that you can just magically fix. You need that part. So it's awesome that you were able to, like, push by that, pass that, and keep going, and that they even had that part. I mean, I think I may have had the same mountain bike that you're talking about back in the 90s. But I think I had that Trek mountain bike back in the 90s. 
but yeah, it was, it was it was pretty intense, man. It was very mixed emotional roller coaster. It was crazy. It, it was just it was crazy. Yeah, that's all I can really say about it. I mean, it was oh uh, yeah. Crazy everything worked out <laughs> and I mean it does I mean a lot of those cases I mean it's amazing how sometimes those things work out you know it's I mean you had Patrick and Mallory there with you um Teresa was with you guys too right but she didn't Teresa run she was there she was back in the event center nope she was uh she was our race support for this one which was amazing I mean I can't say enough about how amazing it is to have one person there that's just like taking over all of the support work to help you guys out, uh, you know, carry some things for you if need be, uh, drive for you so you can rest, just all of that. It was it was such an amazing addition to part of what we were doing. Yeah. And now the one you did, that was the Iron Man. You called it the seventy point three, right? Correct. Yeah. Which is it was the, the half Iron Man. Technically, yeah, I was to say absurd. That yes. Technically, half. You know? <laughs> yeah. See, it's like if anybody knows, like, does uh, anything up here in Seattle, the guy that, and I just freaking his mind, his names went on my head, but the guy who did all the Roadrunner stuff, you know, and, and was in charge of all that for, for Roadrunner, he actually proposed to his girlfriend, like, the second she finished, like, a full Iron Man. Like, she yeah. finished, she's like, yay, great job, and proposed, and I'm like, no wonder she couldn't run away, dude. <laughs> she just did a full Iron Man. Yeah. She's like, "Yes, leave me alone. Give me food." <laughs> yeah, those are some intense people, man. I will say that I definitely, and I have to admit, I definitely underestimated the power of an Iron Man. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, we all grew up riding bicycles. A fifty-six mile bike ride—that doesn't sound like anything. No, it doesn't. And it wasn't. It wasn't horrific. But uh, going up the constant uphills, it was it was pretty brutal. My legs were not a big fan of me. Um, I've done a 13-mile race in trails with obstacles. It's doable. Um, but the swim, like, yeah, the swim was definitely the most intimidating. Uh, but even still, you put all of that together, and there is... That is a force to be reckoned with. It was an intense race, and those are intense people, very dedicated to their training. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I don't know. I feel I could do, like, a sprint triathlon, try it out, see how it is, but the bike and the run don't really bother me as much. Like I said, I've done yeah. the bike. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of training, and I'd probably be okay on the bike. I used to be a BMX racer. I used to freaking mountain bike every weekend. Um so that doesn't bother me. I've done a full marathon. I've done a half. You know, it might take me a while, but I feel I can do those. It's the swim. Yeah. And my problem is, too, is I don't think I get the time hacks. I might make up time in the bike ride, but I'd lose all the rest in the run and the swim because I'm not that quick. <laughs> but I am. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's a lot to be said about Iron Man itself, too. Um, and I have to, like, just, I mean, there's. So many great things I can say about Iron Man. The care and concern that they put into their participants was just absolutely unreal. Uh, I mean, of course, we go out and we do these Spartans and Tough Mudders and all this stuff, and they take care of us. Uh, I mean, I don't have any complaints about the way that they take care of us by any means because we survive and we get through it and we enjoy it. Uh, but it was definitely a night and day difference, and doing an Iron Man was like 
flying first class compared to what we're used to. Yeah. Uh, you know, you go out to a Spartan, and we're lucky if our water is even cold when we get to a water station. And I get it. They're out in the boonies. You know, you can't really transport that much stuff out there. Um, and the resources and materials, the cost just really goes up with anything else. But, yeah, I mean, usually you come up and you've got these water jugs that are in the sun all day and the water you get is hot and terrible and it just makes your mouth feel more dry Yeah. Uh, and you get a couple cups of water and you can't fill your bladder or anything like that um, and during the Ironman I mean it was it, like I said it was like being a VIP every step of the way even though you weren't an elite athlete uh, you get to a station and there's ice cold waters there's ice cold Gatorade uh, they had Red Bull, they had Pepsi at some of the stations, which I thought was really weird, but my only assumption is that uh, so it can kind of get you to start burping because the the goo packs, which they also give you, like four different flavors of goo packs and the flip blocks and stuff kind of upsets uh, people's stomachs. Yeah. Um, and on the run, well, that's the other thing, is like, you know, when you're biking, and we all see it on TV, right? You're biking, and the volunteers come out, and they've got the the water bottle hanging out there, so you can just grab it and keep going, or the Gatorade hanging out there. Yeah. Um, and they're just they're so incredibly helpful, and they're so dedicated to making this the best race that you can make for yourself. And they're dedicated to helping you hit a PR by limiting anything that could slow you down. Um, and everything is in ice. I mean, they've just got truckloads of ice out there. They've got kiddie pools full of ice and all this stuff. And so for coming from Spartans to seeing that, and it's 94 degrees out, I mean, that was a godsend. Yeah. Um, and then you get to the, the stations during the run, and the stations during the run, and they told us during the briefing, the race director said, hey, look, you know, we'll have some salty snacks out there. Everybody loves their favorite salty snack when you're in the middle of a struggle. Um, and that's the same thing I always tell people. If you're going to do an endurance event or a long, like an ultra or something, take something that is your favorite snack because it's really going to change your mood. So you get out there, they have bananas, oranges, um, and they had potato chips and pretzels. And it was, man, it was just phenomenal. Uh, even the locals would come out with their pools or their coolers and they would have... Uh, ice water and they'd have their squirt guns and you know they'd hold up signs and say thumbs up if you want to be squirted and they'd kind of cool you off or they'd throw buckets of water at you to cool you off um, and at the aid stations they would hand you paper cups full of ice that you could dump in your bladder if you had one um, or they would offer to throw cold water on you you know it was just it, they were so supportive it was unreal um, see that is awesome yeah, yeah, and coming out of the swim, too. You come out of the swim, and there's, like, this big horseshoe of volunteers, and they're yelling at you, come here, come here, come here! You know, they're, they're, they're moving with the intensity that, like, you know, you're their own family member, and they're trying to get you to hurry up and get out of there. Um, and you run up, and two volunteers come up, and one on each side of you, and they grab your shoulders, and they just yard your freaking wetsuit down off you, and they say, sit down, sit down! And you sit down, and they yank it down off of your feet, uh, and they hand it to you, and then there's people asking you for your bib number, and you're yelling out your bib number, and then they're running over, finding your transition bag for you, and giving it to you, and then getting you through the tent, and you get through the changing tent, you come out the other side, there's a tent with uh, more volunteers that have rubber gloves on, and they've just got 
like cases and cases of sunscreen and they'll just slather you up real quick and send you on your way and so they're just so helpful every step of the way and uh, like I said so dedicated to making your race the fastest that it possibly can be it was just, it was really cool I will have to say the way you're describing that it sounds like something different than a race that they're going to strip you down and slather you up but you know <laughs> well like I said episode 2 <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the next episode, but and I mean that's awesome that they have those people that are willing to help, and I mean it just makes me want to do one even more. Yeah, yeah, I think it's an experience everybody should should have at some point in their life. Well, that's next on my bucket list. I've done, uh, I've trifected in Spartan one in 2015, two thousand two in two thousand sixteen, three last year, and three this year. Hopefully, okay. I've done a full marathon. Next is a triathlon. I'm going to have to do it. It'll be fantastic when you do it, too. I think what I'm looking at is there's one in a sprint in June up here in Lake in Maple Valley where I grew up. And I think I'm going to shoot for that right now as my goal next oh, year yeah. for my first triathlon is to do that one. Good. Good goal to have. So I, I want to do it. Um, you know, like I've been saying this whole year, I'm working on ways to try and figure out how to work around my, my foot injury still, and uh, I've, I can't let it beat me. I keep telling myself, this is the year of no excuses. I don't care what the world throws at me. I'm doing everything I said I was going to do this year, and so far I've been yeah. able to. Yeah. So. Yeah, injuries are, are tough to deal with. Uh, we did a local race here. Uh, I think it was the Terrain Portland, and I went out and I ran four laps of that, and this was, what, two months ago, I think, mm -hmm. close to, um, and I ran four laps, and I felt great. Um, now, again, I don't run very often, um, so I'm assuming a lot of it was, like, overuse injury, but the next morning, I woke up feeling like a ton of bricks landed right on my hip. I could barely move my right leg. Uh, I could barely bend in the back like hip rotation everything has, has been hard and, and it still feels like that and luckily I've had uh, a ton of help from a really great physical therapist here local and he's actually a beast member as well um, and that's how I got hooked up with him uh, his name is Bob Cook and uh, he has his, his little office uh, performance physiotherapy I think is, is what he calls it um, and he's been helping me out just a ton and over the past couple of weeks, you know, I've been keeping up with my swimming, uh, but I've slowed everything else down to a really minor exercise. And he's had me doing uh, like five, five minute increments walking on treadmill to try to loosen up, uh, increasing by five minutes each day. And I went in to see him last Tuesday and he said, well, how's, how's walking on the treadmill been going? And we kind of talked about it for a bit and he said, good you know it sounds good I, I think we can move you up to start jogging now I want you to jog one minute for every five minutes that you walk and you can just you know do it for however long makes you feel comfortable um, and I kind of looked at him and I said well you know, it's probably a good thing that we start jogging because I have an Ironman this weekend <laughs> and, he, and he just laughed at me you know and he's, he's such a patient person and he kind of like well uh, I guess do whatever you want then because you're just going to f*** it up again anyway. Yeah. And uh, we kind of laughed about it. And, and uh, I'm really glad to have him on my side. Um, not having insurance, I can't just walk into a hospital and get MRIs done and stuff like that without, you know, 
blowing the rest of my life in medical debt. Um, so he, he's been a great asset as well. That's awesome. I mean, it's great to have someone like that. You think you'll make house calls to Puyallup? But... Uh, that's a bit of a drive. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, yeah. I mean, it's awesome to have someone in that like that in your corner. That's, I think, been my biggest issue was I, I had the injury to my foot, and I've never really had anybody that could help me. My, my orthopedic surgeon was like, cool, your foot's healed. Have fun. See you later. Have a nice life. Yeah. And I've never had that somebody help me get back to being able to use it correctly. Um, my foot doesn't bend right. It doesn't, I don't have the push off right. I mean, nothing is right with my foot anymore. And when I run, I get horrible back pain. And that's been my biggest issue. I'm trying to run to lose weight and get back to, you know, back on track where I was before the injury. And I just get so horrible back pain. So I stop running. And so I just keep gaining weight. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a vicious cycle. So I need to find someone like yeah. him to, to help me up here. But yeah, it is what it is. I'm not, like I said, no excuses. I'm still doing everything this year. I'm doing it. Um, in fact, Hawaii is only in a couple weeks. That's, I'm going to die. But. At least I'll die in paradise. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling a little jealous. That Hawaii course is phenomenal, man. I loved oh. that last year. It was so much fun. Um, Hawaii itself, I wasn't too keen on it. It was all right. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of really cool places you can go for way cheaper. But as far as a Spartan venue, I mean, it was gorgeous. It was phenomenal. Oh, it yeah. is. Pretty jealous you're going back to that. Yeah. I think this is my last shot. I have to get all three this time. This is my last chance, really, I think, because I think after this we're going to take a break on the Hawaii trips and maybe look at, like, Tahoe or, you know, something like that next year. But we'll kind of see where that goes. I mean, I want to go to Greece, but we're still talking about that. So, yeah. I think... I'd love to get over to Southeast Asia somewhere, do some of those races. I think they've got some in Singapore and stuff around there. Uh I think that would be a really cool experience. Yeah, see, I want to go to Greece, but I think me and my wife want to go for different reasons. I want to go to the Spartans. She wants to go do a look at Hot Men, but, you know, whatever. But <laughs> it is what it is. Well, at least they're at the same venue, right? Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> All right, so this has been a lot of fun. I always love having you on the show. So Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for talking about Iron Man. I mean, it's one of those things not a lot of us, you know, get to do. And like I said, I, I like keeping the episodes about what everyone's interested in so yeah it's been a blast um what do you got coming up yeah, next thanks for having me on oh next uh well next well i'll uh, see you there the 11th yeah which is also my birthday and it's uh nick's birthday and nick and kim nick and kim uh, are getting married renewing their yeah doing their wedding and uh yeah it's going to be an awesome event, man. It's going to be really cool. It's going to be a blast. Right on. All right, so I will. I look forward to seeing you in Washougal. And thank you for being on the episode. And next time you do something cool. Oh, anytime. Next time you do something cool, we'll bring you back. For sure. Mike. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast brought to you by Beast OCR. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. You can find us on Facebook or at beastocr.com.